Welcome to the Empty Sparrow podcast, the official podcast for the Lacuna Coal community. I'm Mike Dyer and I'm joined by Ross and Taylor and Matt Rycroft. And um, what have we got today um, for everyone, Matt? Well, we're going to have a little bit of news uh, and then we're going to talk about crazy crowds. And then I think we'll review the final song from the Lacuna Court EP and then have a, a bit of reflection on the EP itself. Uh, and then we'll talk about our competition and uh, yeah, there we go. That's what we've got planned for this evening, Mike. Sounds good. Right, should we start off with news then? Well, as we record this, Lacuna Call have just finished the uh, Latin America Dark Legacy Tour and uh, finished off the tour with what looked like a trip to the pyramids, if you've seen pictures on Facebook. Uh, we can post links, of course. One thing we did spot was the um, the rubber chicken <laughs> was was spotted this week and post pictures were again posted. My understanding is that the, the infamous rubber chicken is normally hidden away on the tour bus. And uh, this week, at one of the shows, a rubber chicken was, I don't know if it was thrown onto the stage or it was spotted by Christina, and she mentions in a, a post that she cracked up laughing when she saw it. And then the band um, showed us the rubber chicken later on with the Lacuna Core logo on it. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is news to me, Guy. I th- I, have, have you seen the rubber chicken before? I have not, no. No, me neither, no. Mm, so this is a, a... Do you think this is a seventh band member? Yes, quite possibly, yeah. Uh, it, it could be, or it, it could be a Latino chicken. You never know. A Latino chicken? Latino chicken. Is that what you mean, something specific to this tour? A tour Perhaps, exclusive? yeah. The Rubber Chicken Tour 2013. The, the rub, that's what we should, we will call it, the Rubber Chicken Tour. So, um, do, do we need to give this chicken a name? That's the question. Yeah, I think we do, yeah. I, I think we do too. Have we got some ideas? Should we? Maybe we should ask our listeners whether they have any ideas for the uh, the rubber chicken. I, I, I think I might even have said on Instagram that we need to give this chicken a, a bit of its own website, don't we really, and celebrate its existence. <laughs> or could it, it could be the weekly competition, christen the chicken. Christen the chicken, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. I suppose it's it's fe- it's a female chicken. Well, of course, it's a female chicken. It's a chicken, but you know what I mean. It's a. a <laughs> should it have a female name? This rubber chicken, or can we give it any name? Do you think? Oh, so that's, that's a million-dollar question. That is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's open, open to, uh, open to uh, yeah. I, I was, yeah. I was, I like the idea of uh, calling it Doug. Um, yeah, good choice. Uh, for historical reasons, uh, those people that have been on Empty Spiral for some time will probably know the history of Doug. If you don't, check out the FAQ on it on Empty Spiral. It's in the forums, uh, and it will tell you everything you need to know about why Doug is a very special name to us. Um, any other ideas? Uh, I think Russ had one of the better ideas, didn't you? Before yeah, it's, it's got to be butters, butters the chicken, butters, butters the chicken. <laughs> There is a story behind that, but I'm sure we'll come on to that another time. Yeah, I suppose we do need to explain the butter chicken incident one day. Maybe when we get yeah. Wolfie on with us, we can go through that. So, yes, if anybody's got any better ideas, or better names, I should say, for the um, lacunical rubber chicken, please let us know, and maybe we can f- get an interview with the said rubber chicken one day. Uh, it'd be nice to have the rubber chicken on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> or, or maybe we can uh, we catch up with the rubber chicken when we're on tour one time. I'm hoping we can see the rubber chicken on stage. Uh, no one's uh, suggested that the rubber chicken has any musical ability. Um <laughs> It would be nice to see. I don't know about you guys, but I'd certainly like to see a rubber chicken up there on stage. Um, yeah, yeah, a different, a different uh, hiding place every every night could be a, a good thing to spot, maybe. A, a spot the rubber chicken, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I can see the value in that. 
There's a potential live spot there. I can I can foresee it now. Rubber chicken on keys in the background. Yes, yes, because they used to. Rec- well, obviously they use recorded keyboards, but they used to have um. Yeah, the very play. first tour. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, rubber chicken. Okay, I think we've kind of explored that one enough for the moment. But if anybody's <laughs> got any ideas of how we can use or abuse the, the rubber chicken. Did I just say abuse the rubber chicken? That's, that's, yeah, so that's really not what I meant. <laughs> um, then, uh, Next. Yeah, moving on, moving on. Uh, please let us know. Let's go on to our topic for discussion this evening, which is crazy crowds. So what are our experiences of crowds at the different shows we've been to? Perhaps depending on where you are, what the crowd's like in different places. Um, what do you think, guys? I mean, we've been to a number of tours between us. Uh, for a start, let's... Which of the crowds would we say are the craziest that we've been to? UK shores is, is always London for me. It always seems manic, busy, crowded. Um, it's peaks and troughs really of London. Some some years it is really, really insane with a lot of movement and people going crazy. Other years it's it's not muted, but it's slightly more subdued. I don't know if that depends on the venue or, or what. It could just be me. That's just how it's. No, I, I agree with you, Russ. I think it's the uh, the venue has a big big part to play. I think when um, when they did the Manson gig last July, I thought, well, I was I was on the barrier for that, and I thought it was very mixed compared to other shows that I've been to. And like you say, London shows have a tendency to be pretty pretty uh, mental at times, or they have been over the years, but. I suppose it uh, depends on the uh, the age uh, demographic of the crowd as well, because that certainly changes from tour to tour as well. Mm. Is, is the un, is the Manson gig a bit of an unfair comparison though, Mike? Because they were support act rather than headlining. Then wouldn't that make a difference to the response oh, yeah, that you get def- from the crowd? Definitely, I would think so. Because the the crowd split was quite. I would say it was seventy thirty percent split, but the crowd. The crowd was interesting that night, I thought. Interesting. I like the yeah, way you put that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of... Mm, I tell you, the crowds are always... Uh, always seem the craziest in the UK, and that, that's the Scottish crowds. I have to say, when, say I've, when I've yeah. seen the band in yeah. Glasgow, especially the, the few times that I saw them at King Tut's, those crowds mm. were, were pretty crazy, pretty mental. Um, really enjoyed those shows as a consequence. I mean, the crowd does make a massive difference. I, I know it does to how the band feel about it, but certainly as someone in the crowd, it's always good to have a you know a, a, a very active crowd around you. No one wants to be standing there singing their heart out to uh, surrounded by zombies. Um, yeah, yeah. What about further afield? What did we think of the Italian crowd when we saw them in, uh, in Milan? I was, so. I was very surprised, actually, uh, because, you know... I'd, been to Italy before but never been to a, a gig or a show there and you kind of hear different tales on the continent so again I was expecting it to be slightly more subdued but it wasn't it was actually you know a lot of movement a lot of passion a lot of singing um, again which perhaps I expected to be different because obviously the band whilst they're Italian they sing in English which isn't the native language so you think what's the interaction going to be like there but no it was it was basically mental it was, I, it was where we were standing yeah yeah <laughs> I agree. I, that's the uh, the fourth time I've seen them in Italy on the, when we saw them in Milan on the last tour. And I would say, certainly the venue, I would say is possible. From memory, I would think out the four times I've seen them, that's the um, over there. That's the biggest that they've possibly played when I've uh, when I've seen them. And the crowd certainly was it stepped stepped up a, quite a few gears compared to the other three times I've seen them there. 
we've certainly seen a fair share of uh, pits over the years, mosh pits. Yeah, 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 definitely. Which I always and, find and... a little surprising, actually. I, I, I know why. I, I, I do know why. I never really feel the Luke Nicole is mosh pit music. Maybe I'm just getting old. No, no, I don't, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um. And of course, there was the recent YouTube video of the uh, the guy that was pulled out of the crowd. I think it was a Seven Dust show in the States um, where he was involved in an altercation and kind of Christina stopped what she was doing and sort of told him to come out and pulled him out of the crowd on, on, up on stage. Did you, see, did you guys see that YouTube video? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was great, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah. It, was it was kind of... I do wonder how much the uh, people on stage see of the crowd because the lights are on them so they're going to get dazzled a little bit I think they see only like the first probably first four rows maybe mm-hmm. but it's clear that she saw enough to recognise that something yeah, oh, was yeah. happening there and it, was... it sounded like he got a good kicking by by the look of it I saw some blood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think judging by the post it was the guy's birthday as well I mean I, oh, yeah. I can I can think of much better things to do on your birthday rather than getting the uh, the crap kicked out of you with a nosebleed. But hey, whatever you know, <laughs> floats your boat. Well, yeah, again, I guess everybody celebrates in different ways. You know, give me a few beers and a Jack Daniels or something, and I'll be fine. But um, <laughs> maybe a cheesecake or something. Would, would, would. Uh, I also remember in ter- in talking about mosh pits when I saw them in Grass Pop or at Grass Pop, I should say, back in two thousand and five. Uh, which was one of the first times I, I was on the barrier seeing Lacuna Coil, and there were loads of crowd surfers there. Uh, I came away with that show with a good few bruises on the top of my head, and there was one lad who um, he went over the top of me. I was, I was right at the front, so he, he kind of got pulled out of the crowd, and uh, he, as he came down, everything fell out of his pocket, including his mobile phone, which promptly got trodden on by one of the security guards, so he wasn't happy. And then he got whisked away. And there must have been about eight or nine people right at the end, kind of crowd surfing out of the, uh, out over the top there. So that was pretty crazy. And there was a few mosh pits going on. What about the Latin, the, the Latin shows in the South American tour? The Latin shows. Well, that's what sort of sticks in my mind. When I went down to the Venezuelan show in Caracas in 2010, it was sort of the... A tale of two halves, really. A lot of the first half was all sort of singing, jumping, and then sort of when the band kicked into our truth, it wasn't necessarily a, a wall of death, but there was definitely some uh, some pit action going on there, and um, a lot, lot of passion and uh, a lot of energy, definitely. I would and, love um, to see them in the... Uh, oh, it was yeah. excellent. I mean, I'd even go so far as to say just watching back sort of the last couple of weeks, or the last week, I should say, in terms of the footage from South America and the, the interaction of the band and the crowd, I, I do miss it. It's almost like mini tour blues, really. So it's a case of, you know, get back to the UK and let's, let's go to a show. Yeah, absolutely. The the band these do seem to have a very special relationship with the fans in, in South America, though. You know, in this country, there aren't that many people that head off to the airport and meet the band, but it seems to be pretty much standard thing in in the South American countries. Mm. Oh, it's very much the same when, when I went down. I mean, we sort of met the bands at the airport and picked them up. And even then there was sort of a line of people and banners and flyers and everything waiting for them. And then sort of the same, you get to the hotel. I don't know how they find out, but, you know, the hotel was swamped with fans and a greeting and a meeting party. So there's there's a lot of love down there for that's, sure. That's amazing. It must be great, a great feeling when you uh, being a member of the band to land in the country and know there are fans waiting to see you. Fantastic, and the shows cool. themselves. I mean, they 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 know all the words, don't they? All the fans down there, gosh, and they're <laughs> loud as well. I mean, I'd love to go. It'd be brilliant to be part of it. 
Very I think passionate. it was the, the Sao Paulo. I think it was the second Brazilian gig, and that just looked insane in terms of the noise level. Well, listen, if anybody listening to this and uh, went to any of the shows uh, in Latin America and uh, wants to come along and share their experiences, just let us know and we'll get you on and have a conversation, find out all about you and uh, find out whether you enjoyed the gig, etc. Just, uh, you know, drop us a note. Same way, we'll give you the feedback uh, details at the end of the show. So, uh, what's our view then on crazy crowds? Latin America, from experience, well, not from from your experience, Russ, uh, certainly look like the craziest in the UK, London, or Glasgow. Um, I would say, based on my experience, I'd say I'd go with you. The craziest crowd I've ever seen is probably Glasgow, um, King Tut's, and also for the Garage gig on the last tour was quite good. Um, then probably I'd throw in South America, and then sort of more in the the inner cities, so your Manchester's, your Birmingham's, you tend generally tend to get quite an energetic crowd on, on those shows as well. What about you, Mike? I would agree as well. Birmingham, uh, Manchester. Another one that sticks out is uh, Bloodstock um, in 2007 when I was on the barrier and you were also on the barrier as well with me, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Tranquility, I think, were the... Like the the main uh, like the support before Lacuna Call came on, and it, it was just insane. I seem to remember it was a very well a different mix throughout the day of music, and the crowd were really up for well being mental that night from uh, from everything. So it's yeah, I definitely. Sus- I suspect that a lot of that's bloodstock, though, mate. I mean, I've been to bloodstock yeah, a couple yeah. of times now, and I get the impression that if a three-piece orchestra came on there, those guys <laughs> would mosh and go mental to it. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, that, that was pretty crazy, actually. Yeah. Okay. So and I, uh, yeah. Go on, you're saying. No, I was just going to say uh, I would I would say quite a few pockets around the UK. Are, very good for it's usually the main cities like you've mentioned uh, Glasgow, Birmingham, Manchester, London definitely. Liverpool was quite a good show. Yeah, yeah, it's remember. a shame they do, it's a shame they don't uh, have Liverpool on the um, on the tour run as often as as they could do. But I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it's down to ticket sales. Yeah, I guess it must be. Yeah. Right. So Glasgow and London wins it with a few other places in between. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, and uh, from what we can tell, the South American shows kind of eclipse everything else. So congratulations to everybody in uh, South America for winning the craziest uh, fans collectively. (laughs) Job well done. Okay, it's review time. So tonight we're going to review the last song on the Look and Call EP and then we'll look back over the EP itself and uh, reflect on what it is and what we like about it and what we don't like about it and sort of give a general rating across the, the whole thing. So let's. Uh, I'm not starting off this week, not after falling last week. I think there was a conspiracy between you two to get me to go first last <laughs> week. Um, so I think uh, Mike should uh, give your view on uh, Fantasima Tranoi. Actually, it's Un Fantasima Tranoi, otherwise known as A Ghost Between Us, the instrumental, which is the last song on the Lacuna Call EP. What do you reckon, Mike? 
Uh, very good. I think it's quite a long instrumental, which it, it's long. As you listen to it, I don't know whether you both agree, it seems to just go on and on and on in, in a good way, that is, that the guitar work the uh, and everything else, I think, really works well together. And I think it's a really good piece of music and they should be proud of it, of it on the EP. And I think it's, I'm glad it's on there. It's a nice way to uh, round everything off. What about you, Russ? For me, this is the perfect follow-on from Falling. I love this song. Um, obviously, it's you're limited in what you can say about it because it is an instrumental, so there's no words or lyrics to sort mm-hmm. of uh, digest and um, you know delve into. But musically, I love the song. I love the guitars. I love the bass. I love the drums. And as Mike says, yeah, it's quite a long song. It's about five and a half minutes, five minutes 45 from memory. Um, and it does sort of ponder on, but in a good way. And there's sort of different rhythms in it and sort of different textures and yeah just something to sort of put on and sort of kick back to really fair enough i'm i'm in two minds about this song I'm, I'm, firstly it's worth me stating i'm not a big fan of instrumental music anyway and i i kind of this is one of those ones that i will tend to skip i guess when i'm generally listening to lacuna Core music i have to be in the right mood to listen to this song i don't dislike it don't get me wrong it's a good song for what it is and it is an instrumental I like the way the song is constructed. It's pretty standard, to be honest. We've got a minute or so of um, kind of a lead-in, then we've got a chorus, and then about three minutes in, we've got a middle eight, which is slowness. And then an interesting part, I, I like the the chorus, which rolls on from about four minutes onwards. And I can, when I listen to that again today, I can well imagine Christina singing over that. I do wonder if this song was originally supposed to have lyrics, and then they either for whatever reason they chose not to have lyrics or, or couldn't find the lyrics that would work with it and then decided to lay it down lay the tracks down and make it an instrumental anyway but I do feel about that kind of second chorus um, after the middle eight is when I, I can definitely hear Christina's voice well I could hear Christina's voice there I like the guitars here there is a it's going to sound really weird an instrumental a solo shall we say of lead guitars in that section which I then leads into the outro in terms of the beginning and the end I like the way it starts with simple guitars and cymbals and I really like the way it ends with the cymbals that kind of just touch 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 and then it's gone but you know what I spotted today this song reminds me a lot of Soul Into Hades like I went back and I listened to Soul Into Hades after I listened to um and Phantasmata Annoia. And they're like brothers. They're, they're almost like they're Link songs. The guitar sound is very, very similar. And I suspect that they could, that the Kunikor could easily have picked up the lyrics for Soul into Hades and placed it onto the, placed those lyrics onto this song. And with a little bit of moving stuff around, could have made this song work as a, not as an instrumental, as a, I want to say a proper song, but that's just unfair on instrumental songs. Um, on a song with vocals, with a vocal line. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I spotted that. I thought, that's quite interesting. It, it is a good song to play after falling. It is a good outro to the EP. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like it. But I don't like it as much as many other Lacuna Core songs because I'm not a big fan of, of um, instrumentals. Given that it's uh, we don't have the lyrics to to really dissect how does it make you feel what sort of how does the music itself make you feel what about you mike 
Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, I wouldn't say cheerful, as in overly like skipping around the room. I think it's just one of those. The thought of you skipping around the room is just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing the one nineteen dance. You know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You no, know, it's just one of those um, chill out. I could just quite happily listen to it for and unwind listening to it with a beer in hand and just one of those type things. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Where you, Ross? Uh, very much the same as Mike. Um, it's probably actually uh, my most played song off the first EP. Don't know the reason for that, but it always seems to, you know, be on repeat in one form or another. Perhaps it is because it's an instrumental, and you know, the few and far, far between. So that might be the, the reason why. Ugh, get my words out there. What about emotions? What, what emotions? Do you get any emotion out of this? Me, personally, not a great deal. Um, nothing particularly positive, nothing negative. It's not like an up or a downer. It's just sort of a it's sort of nice, flow, steady stream of consciousness, I suppose. Well, that was deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have a, a steady stream go. of consciousness. There we are. That's the quote of the night. I, I find the music's quite oppressive and dark, I find. And I do wonder if maybe I'm reading too much into the, uh, the title. I mean, I, I just get this sort of sense that it's quite bleak music. And it's it, it kind of reminds me... It doesn't remind me of a death dirge, far from it. But there is a kind of a sense that uh, it is a, a follow-on from the style of the music that we've seen throughout the rest of the EP. So it is quite dark and uh, oppressive. And you know, the, the suggestion that a ghost between us makes me wonder if it's... A musical reflection of the difference between life and death. Maybe I'm thinking too hard. Um, <laughs> that's just this is my thoughts on it. What about one thing oh, that does strike me specifically on this song is is the production. Again, it could just be my ears, but it's it sounds a lot fresher and crisper in terms of the production than stuff that came after it. That includes Inner Every. I'd even go so far as to say Unleashed Memories. I think it just sounds great as a track. Yeah, that is true, and I suspect it will be reflecting on the mixing when we uh, listen to the Inner Reverie and Unleashed um, Memories albums. But yeah, I, I think it's actually the looking back on the EP, which we'll do in more detail in a minute. But you're right, the uh, the quality of mixing on this album EP it does seem to be quite good, quite fresh. Um, mm. Doesn't doesn't sound muddy at all. Rating: What are we going to give this one? Um, I was just thinking there, sorry. Um, seven and a half, stroke eight out of ten. That's officially cheating because you've gone for the point fives, but you're forgiven. Okay, I'll give it eight. So, sorry, guys, I've sort of started a trend there. He has, yeah, yeah. We're blaming it on Russ. What about you, Russ? Um, well, in the interest of bucking the trend and going for a 7.5, I'm going to give it a solid eight out of ten. Okay, so it's two eights. I'm I'm gonna probably disappoint both of you. I think this is a good example of an instrumental song. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's not my favourite Ludacunicore song. Uh, for that reason, I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. And I'm sorry if that offends either of you, but hey, neither of you gave Falling a ten last week, so <laughs> I, I, I'm not. You, you're really both of you are lucky. I'm still talking to you actually after that. But anyway, okay, so um, two eights out of ten and a five out of ten for an Fantasima Tranoi. A ghost between us.
Right, let's look back over the EP. We've uh, listened to it in its entirety. So all six tracks. What do we think of this? This is the obviously Lacuna Core's first recording, first release through Century Media Records. What do we think of it? It's very much influenced by the bands around at the time that also influenced the band. I think you've got, as I've mentioned previously, those influences of the likes of Paradise Lost and that kind of sort of sound. Um, vocally, Andrea is still quite raw in the vocals with, you know, not deaf growls, but he's not really sort of started to go with the full clean singing that comes later. Um, but definitely a, you know, a step in the right direction and definitely something that was new and new and fresh at the time, as I think we sort of touched on before. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would back up everything Russ has just said. I think it's a, a band just starting the first footsteps to the, uh, the path ahead of them and I think that as a first first um, record coming out it works really well for them and it looking back at it now in detail like we have I think it's it's interesting that we have picked it apart like we have and you I don't know whether you both agree we that we certainly touch upon stuff that you don't necessarily think is there at the time when you uh, when you just listen to it normally and I think it's it's very very well done as a first first effort for them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just a really rate, underrated um, yeah. release of yeah. Chemicals. And I think it's probably been very surprising musically for those newer fans who might be more familiar with the likes of Shallow Life or Dark Adrenaline, so the last couple of Licunicore albums, to, to hear this. Very different sounds that we hear. As you say, much kind of darker, bleak, and more reflective of their influences at that point in time. There's also a bit of a kind of a youthful youthful i should say uh rawness of the band at the time i mean i think you said it i think i can't remember which song we were listening to it might have been sold into hades where yeah yeah where it, was. it was christina's vocals were you know raw not bad but raw kind of almost more natural it's hard to explain but you know what i mean raw mm, yeah. um and as you say andrea's not full-on deaf vocals but it's not the clean vocals that we hear from him today. So it was, yeah, a very different kind of band at that time. Um, I find that I've got renewed respect for it. I probably don't listen to this EP as much as I should, if I'm brutally honest. And having reviewed it over the the past six weeks has really um, given me renewed respect, especially for The Secret and Soul into Hades. Those are the two that are kind of really proven to be little nuggets, little gems that I hadn't really t- realised before, or taken them for granted almost, and the, spending time with them has maybe realised just how good they are. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's in terms of um, a collection of songs, I think it's very interesting lyrically as well, um, without having, having explored it in a, in a great depth before until we've sort of done this. It's almost like um, storytelling across six tracks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What would you say, Mike? No, I think, as Russ says, I think one thing, one track leads into the other and I think it flows very well and it's nicely rounded off with the instrumental. I think I think that doesn't make it as the whole EP, but it's a nice inclusion at the end. And But like you say, it could could have been used as like the foundation for something else. Highlights? Have they changed for you? What would you say, looking back over the whole thing, your highlights were the album, guys? 
definite highlight um, on this one, redeeming ourselves from last week, is uh, falling, I think. Mike? Yeah, I agree, falling. And uh, I will also say the secret, now that I've listened to it since the, uh, the original review, I've listened to it in detail a lot more and I think that my view on it's slightly changed and I think it's um my uh, my opinion has changed on it for me all of the songs that I wasn't already in love with I now have much better respect for uh this is my dream is still a highlight for me sorry guys uh and uh falling is clearly the standout song of this uh this whole EP for me and uh, and for you guys as well of course, the, the EP itself, I don't believe, is available now in its original form. Uh, it came out as a six-track EP way back in um, 1997. But it was re-released in, was it 2005? I think it might have been. It might be 2004. Uh, yeah, I think. yeah, it was 2005. It was just before Carmico came oh, out. Hold on, I can check now. It is... Okay. Let's just have, yeah, 2005, I'm just looking at it. As Lacuna Court, the EPs, and it was uh, released with uh, the Half-Life EP, which uh, will come on to another time, of course, with new cover, new inserts. Uh, the EP's album itself actually comes with some extra content as a, a data layer on the CD, so you can actually get some wallpapers as well there, um, and a photo gallery. But the original Lacuna Coil EP, say, is no longer available. Had some interesting art, very different from what art we see today. Unfortunately, most of my art is covered with um, band signatures, so I can barely see what it is. But it's, uh, it looks to me like uh, flowery art. Uh, and internally, of course, we get some interesting photos of the band. A very young Christina, followed by the guys. And, of course, we get the original lineup as well. So there's um, Raphael and Claudio and Leonardo. Um, who, of course, we don't see in any of the other albums. So, uh, and a, a very young picture of Marco. Although I did notice that Andrea doesn't really hasn't really changed much. I don't know if you've seen the picture of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not changed at all. Really. Yeah, so it's a, that, that's we're talking a fifteen-year-old album. Uh, older and yeah. wiser. Yeah, older and wiser, no doubt. Um, say that there was, there was a photo actually that popped up this week, and it, it might have been on the Coil community. I'm not sure, and it was going back to the uh, the Sleeper Right days, and then, yeah, even yeah. then the hairstyle was slightly different, but you can still obviously tell it's Andrea. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting cover. I think uh, overall, I prefer the EP's um, cover, but. I, I'm, I don't know for certain. I, I, I like the EP's cover because it's got the flower in there, which obviously brings it much closer in style to both um, Comalize and uh, Unleashed Memories. So what do you think of the inserts? Uh, I'd agree with you, Matt, in terms of it was when it was repackaged in 05, I think it blends quite well with the, the flower effect of tying in with Comalize and Unleashed Memories. Anyone who's got the original album, it's quite interesting. As you mentioned, there's sort of a flower on there. There's sort of the the original logo lettering of Lacuna Core, and it's almost like a, um, get my words out and get technical, juxtaposed sort of photo of it. I think it's Christina from memory. It was shot of her eyes and her, her mouth that sort of split across the, the bottom of it. Um, yeah, that's but right. The, but the, the interesting thing is there's actually, I think there's some of the photos that are in the original EP booklet aren't in the reissue. That's I don't know great. why that is, but it's it's slightly different layout. But as you mentioned, there's there's definitely additional content there in terms of wallpapers and stuff. So anyone's got it and hasn't put it in the in the laptop, definitely worth checking out for uh, free content. Yeah, definitely. So the EP itself, then, should we give it a score? Do you want, uh, what are you looking back over it and recognising that some of these things 
are sometimes greater than the sum of their parts and sometimes not so much. What would we give it marks out of 10 then? Well, I appreciate we've not done this before. What do you reckon, Mike? What would you give this looking back over the whole thing? Uh, looking back with a mix of all of it, I would say first attempt and first recording and its original lineup, I would say a six, maybe touching towards a seven out of ten. Okay, Russ? Uh, solid seven out of ten for me. No, I, I, I was, I'm kind of in the same place as you. I, I think this is a pretty good, pretty solid start for the band. Um, I think it's got some standout songs. I, I, I'm tempted to give this one an eight, actually. And I uh, really need to uh, put it in my calendar to listen to this more often because it, it really is a, definitely a grower and it really does deserve a re-listen. So for those of you that haven't listened to um, the Lacuna Core EP for a while, uh, and if our recent reviews haven't scared you off completely, do go back and listen to it. Quick reminder to everybody, we've still got our free Lacuna Core poster giveaway competition signed by the band, not by us, in case anybody's uh, confused by that. Uh, and uh, do leave us feedback on uh, the various websites, whether at EmptySpiral.net or uh, over at our Facebook page or even on Twitter. So... This brings us to the end of our review of the Lacuna Court EP. Next week, we're going to start on In a Reverie, I guess, guys? Yeah, yeah. So, starting off with The Circle, I've got some archive interviews, <coughs> and we're going to post the first of those, uh, which will be an interview with Christina. A couple of years old, but uh, quite fun, uh, quite entertaining, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. That brings us to a close on this uh episode of the empty spiral podcast uh if you want to connect with us uh, or you want to be on the show or just want to leave us feedback you can uh, do all of these things by contacting us uh at podcast at empty spiral.net via email or at uh, the empty spiral website which is www.emptyspiral.net and the podcast page is forward slash empty spiral podcast but there's also a link on the front page or via our facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash empty spiral.net or via Twitter, we are at Empty Spiral Net. Hope you've enjoyed our review of the Lacuna Coil MP. If you like it or don't like it, don't agree with us, just let us know and uh, maybe we'll get you one and have a bit of an argument over it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speak to you next time, everybody. Cheers, everyone. See ya.